This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mento LLC. Mento LLC Trade Consulting focuses on issues of duty minimization, recovery, and elimination, while also helping our clients with trade compliance issues of both the import and export nature and global cargo security. You can reach us at 978-317-3250 or email me directly at pete.mento at Mento LLC. From Washington, D.C., this is Trade Geek Podcast with your host, Pete Mento. There's a lot of bizarre things that you end up learning about in this business. And one of them is about the products that we move across borders. I can remember being a very young man and someone stopping by my my cubicle. I like to call it my office, but let's face it, it's reminiscent of... uh, Les Nesman, uh, back on WKRP. It was not, it was not an office stopping by my desk, my cubicle and saying, so we have two cups of whale spit coming into the country. I I sit down my Diet Coke. I sort of furrowed my, my brow. And I I looked at this person and I said, whale spit. He said, yeah, whale spit, whale saliva. Mind you, I worked in Massachusetts at the time. Um, and this is, of course, the, the hub for genetic research, pharma research. And somebody was importing whale saliva for the use of genetic research. You want to talk about making phone calls. I had to call the FDA. I had to call Fish and Wildlife. Boy, did I have to call customs. But a lot of phone calls had to be made because there was all manner of people that had to be made aware of the fact that we were about to import a whole mess of whale saliva so that people could do tests on it for genetic research. But that's kind of what this business is. It's learning how to fix a car while it's going down the road at 100 miles an hour, missing a couple of doors on three wheels. It's being the kind of professional that learns how to do things on the fly because that's, that's what is generally expected of you. Well, one of the hardest things that you can learn to do ever is food and beverage. It's right up there with pharmaceuticals because it is so heavily regulated. You're talking about importing things that people eat. And if it's done wrong, people get sick. So the standards are incredibly high. There is no room for screwing up. And it's easy to tell if something went wrong because it tastes terribly and people just don't buy it again. Quality is also the highest of considerations. And today, a good friend of mine decided to come on the podcast to talk about the complexities of precisely what he does. My friend, Sean Riley. Sean works for Lint. Lint is synonymous with incredible chocolates, the kind of chocolates that people like me dream about, maybe even people like you. He took some time with us from what is a very busy life of managing import and export activities, trade compliance activities, and also when he finds time when he's not managing being a parent of his six children. to be a lacrosse coach, a lacrosse referee, and an all-around guy who just loves the sport of lacrosse. He's a really, really incredible guy, and I think just a, uh, a fundamentally great trade professional. I was excited to talk to him, and I do hope that you enjoy our conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, from Lint Chocolate, my friend, Sean Riley. Welcome uh, back to the Trade Geek Podcast. I am a tickled pink 
to have my friend and colleague on today, Mr. Sean Riley, who is the Import, Export, and Compliance Planner for Lint Sprungly. Did I say it right? Yeah, Lint and Sprungly, yep. Yep, and as we were saying right before I hit record, those chocolate ball people is what a lot of us would say, but they are so much more than that. Lint is a company near and dear to my heart for a lot of reasons. One of them being it was literally the first company I ever sold anything to in this industry. When I was working for Panalpina, I sold some air freight moves to them. Um, second of all, they're in New Hampshire. And as a New Hampshire guy, as someone who lives in New Hampshire, somebody who went to high school in New Hampshire, it's nice to talk to a New Hampshire company. More importantly though, Sean's a pretty awesome dude. And he has had a fascinating life and an incredible trip up the ladder in logistics. And I'm really excited to talk to him today on the podcast. So Sean, thanks so much for coming in, man. Thanks, Pete. I'm happy to be here. Thanks Absolutely. for inviting me. Hell yeah, man. So first off, before we get to what it is you do now, um, why don't you tell me a little bit about how it is you ended up in this stupid, ridiculous industry? Uh, wow. Um, so I did logistics for UPS for a little bit. Um, and then I needed to focus a little bit more on my family. Um, I did the lacrosse. Wait. Talk What's that? about your family situation because you, <laughs> you you have got a pretty cool situation that most people don't. Yeah, so um, I have six children, um, <laughs> ages from seventeen to five. Uh, it's great, you know. They're they're the the best kids in the world. I couldn't be more happier to have them as my children and um, love them to death. So, boys, girls, how many of each? Uh, two boys and four girls. So. Um, I'm in trouble as they get older. Um, boy's the oldest. Um, great kid, smart as a whip. So and you're um, pretty young, man. How old are you? 40. Yeah, that's a lot of kids for a 40 year old, bro. <laughs> anyway, all right. So you had to take some time because you wanted to more time with your kids. Yeah. So I, I actually started um, doing lacrosse um, around the country. I, I lived out in Kansas City for a while before um, UPS and worked with manufacturing um, companies with their ERP software and um, helped formalize the first formal across high school programs um, in the state of Kansas. Um, and then just traveling around Florida, uh, doing lacrosse with my father. Um, and that was kind of, it was hit or miss, but uh, I, I stumbled upon Lint is needing uh, a warehouse supervisor position. Um, so I applied, I didn't get it, uh, but they said, Hey, we do have a, a warehouse position for you. Um, so I, I jumped at it. Um, and I started working in the warehouse about six years ago, um, six and a half years ago and worked in the warehouse two years. I drove our yard truck around for, for a year or two. Um, I did our domestic compliance, which really wasn't um, compliance, it was more dealing with our um, consumer drawbacks, or, or not drawbacks, but uh, chargebacks um, from, our, from our customers and seeing really where in the logistics world um, the breakdown was, what, you know, what part of the supply chain was it and how to correct it from happening even more. Um, I grew up traveling around as a kid. And so the opportunity to work with the intercompany team came open and I, I jumped at it. Um, I wanted to work on the international side and being part of an international company, it was, it was there. And um, I love it. I love what I do. And, and you, you spent a lot of time as a young guy out of the country. 
Yes. Um, so until I was six, my parents, I, my parents lived in, in Germany. My dad was in the military. Um, and then my summer going into my senior year of high school, my dad took a position um, working as a contractor for the French government and we moved to Paris and I went to the American school of Paris for the first half of my senior year. And now this is where my, this is where my affinity for you takes a whole new level. You went to college where again? Uh, Loyola. It's now Loyola University of Maryland. Yeah. Um, and and you, you went there to do what again? Play lacrosse. Oh, God, I hate you. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I was a goalie at Division Three Powerhouse Maine Maritime Academy. And you played Division One lacrosse at Loyola. So I'm like the ugly sister that played clarinet and didn't get to go to prom. And you're you're prom queen, bro. Like, you know, yeah, come on, man. Loyola's like, I have a Loyola Greyhound sweater upstairs, or <clears throat> what do you call it? Sweatshirt upstairs. Honestly, like the next time we hang out, I will wear it. Like I have it right. upstairs in my, my closet. I'll wear mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. And you were attack, right? Is that what you played? Or MIDI? I, I played attack. You played attack, yeah. So not only that, but you were like in shape. You weren't the fat guy with the big goalie stick like I was. Like you actually. You played the hardest position on the field in my life. No. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's all the running, man. You had to be an actual athlete. <clears throat> I just had to have quick hands and hit people. You actually did. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah, I had to run away from that six-foot stick. Um, no, it was fun. It was a great opportunity. Um, you know, I did a, I did a post, post-grad year um, after high school at Bridgeton Academy up in Maine. Um, and that was an experience I'll never forget. Um, you have to buy into it. You know, you're up in up in, in Bridgeton, Maine, and it's 180 guys, um, and you can't really leave campus, so um, I know winters that. are cold. Oh, my friend. <laughs> so, um, but no, I, you know, I wouldn't change what I've done and where I've been um, and who I am, so. And that's become a part of your life now. I mean, you coach, you're a ref. This is a, your lacrosse has been a part of your life and a part of who you are as an adult, as a father. I mean, you're still it's still a part of who you are now. Yeah. So I still ref um, high school and college lacrosse, um, youth lacrosse too. I love on a Sunday going to a uh, youth, youth game and, um, and actually coaching with my stripes on, um, <laughs> you know, I take the kids, I tell them where to move, you know, especially the little guys, um, where to move, when to move, you know, they kind of look at me like, who, who is this guy? Um, but it's, it is a passion. I do, I do um, own a training company, a lacrosse training company. Um, that I do that on the side and love the kids I work, work out with, you know, they're good kids. They, they want to be there. Um, you know, and it's not, it's not a moneymaker. It's, you know, for me to give back to the game. You and I end up always talking about the sport. When I was a young guy, nobody played it. It was nope. not, I shouldn't say nobody. It was not as popular as it feels like it is now. It feels like it's a real mainstream sport now. And it wasn't back in the eighties and nineties. So I just can't, I can't say enough about how much I love seeing it explode. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so all right, getting back to professional stuff, yep. I think that, and when we were talking about you coming on the podcast, you're like, why does anybody want to hear about what I do? Well, <laughs> um, you probably move one of the most regulated from, from a food product standpoint, right? You've got a really difficult, overly regulated, and then super sensitive product. These truffles, and it's not just truffles, you guys move all kinds of things, but all the products that you move there's there's ambient temperature issues you've got all kinds of fda stuff um and then all kinds of other regulations that go along with it 
um, international, domestically, how you store it. Man, this is a really tough commodity. And why I won't really wanted you to come on, Candyman, is the uh, the folks that are moving sweaters think they've got it tough. They don't have it tough. You got it tough. So what are some of the challenges about the things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis that kind of, you know, made you the professional you are? Um, you know, I have a great, uh, great network. Um, you know, we, when I took this position over, I, I really wanted everybody in my supply chain process to be a cohesive unit, right? To be a, a, a teammate. Um, and that was kind of my goal um, to do that. So yeah, chocolate, there's so many different codes, regulations, uh, you know, the, the temperature control alone. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we talk, you know, we store everything at 55 degrees year round. Uh, we move it refrigerated year round. Um, and we have a, a low tolerance, you know, it's a plus or minus five. Um, so, you know, when we're moving things, we're importing or exporting, um, you know, we're, we're really cautious about, you know, what, how we're loading it, you know, very few go on pallets, most, mostly everything's flow loaded, um, you know, and then, and then your weight difference, you know, your truffle versus your bar, um, you know, and the regulations that you have with nuts, um, you know, tree nuts, pine nuts, you know, whatever it is, we have to be cautious at all times, um, making sure that, that we're, we're holding ourselves accountable um, for what we're bringing in as, as far as in what, what we're selling to, um, you know, and, and for me, it's not just the chocolate side. Um, I deal with the raw materials, the packaging um, and the machinery that we're bringing in and out. I think so. you can probably mention too, that this is a, this is a big name and the expectations on the quality is very high. So there's Absolutely. not, a, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of room here for mistakes and errors or something is off, you're not gonna sell it. You know, there's there's not gonna be um, any room for errors and we're just gonna put it out there anyway. That's yeah. gonna be pressure. Yeah, you know, because it's a global brand and it's a global name, um, you know, we're uh, we're the leader in the, in the premium chocolate industry. Um, and for, you know, there's 12 manufacturing facilities around the world. Um, Linton USA is the only manufacturing facility in all of the Americas. Um, and it's right here in New Hampshire. Um, yeah, it is. Only... <laughs> um, you know, so so we hold a, a big burden to make sure that we get it right. Um, the testing is unbelievable that that our, our quality team goes through um, during the process, in process. Once it's done, before it gets packaged, um, before you know, when it's even when it's in the warehouse, they're still testing. Yeah. Um, and then they do a quality test when it goes to our distribution centers. Um, so if we find something that, that isn't right, you know, what do we do with it? You know, and, and most of the times we'll, uh, we'll pull it off and before it even gets to the customer. Um, and, and that's just making sure that our brand name stays at that high quality. Are you comfortable dealing with FDA now after the years of working there? You're pretty confident and comfortable with them. Yeah. You know, the, the, the agents that come that, that we deal with. Um, we have a pretty good relationship with, um, you know, what, what they're looking for is, you know, the, when we're importing, it's the, it's the labeling to making sure that our labels are correct. Um, our, our ingredients are right. Um, they do test, um, quite a bit of our product. 
Um, you know, see them a couple times a quarter, uh, but they're great guys. You know, they're not out there to, 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 to be, you know, get anybody in trouble. They're just there to regulate and make sure that, that they're doing the right thing. So, um, yeah, you know, it goes with our, my, my philosophy on the, on the partnership, you know, they're there to make sure that we're, we're, we're doing the right thing too. And, um, I'm notified, you know, within 24 hours of when they're going to arrive, um, just so we can schedule, we're a lockdown facility. Um, you know, so I have to make sure that, that my eyes are dotted and my T's are crossed before, you know, any shipment ever hits the water or, or the air. So. Now, did I hear you correctly when we talked? I don't know if it was the last time I saw you or before, but uh, you guys manufacture everything here, right? You don't. So each, each of the lint manufacturing um, or producing countries uh, manufacture something different, right? So we all have our, our niches. Um, we don't manufacture everything that we sell here. Uh, we import um, and we also export surprisingly quite a bit. Um, there's some things that we just can't do here, um, but there's things that we do that nobody else can do. So, is it hard operating from New Hampshire from a logistics standpoint? Is it tough finding? Is it tough finding equipment? Is it hard finding carriers? You know, during this pandemic, I I, I was skeptical on you know the ghost sailings, you know the air freight cost and uprise, and, and you know we didn't stop. We didn't stop producing. We didn't stop importing. Um, very few shipments got uh, missed. Um, you know, you have the cost of the air freight went up, but you know, that was what it was. And, um, you know, I think we did it. We did a good job making sure that we had what we needed um, to keep, you know, to keep making chocolate and, you know, providing uh, that service to our customers um but no we didn't have we didn't really see that impact this year um equipment domestically it's tough we're in a, we're in a tough domestic transportation hub you know we're more of the freezer meat seafood um yeah. you know when you're talking about refrigerated um trailers um that can be tough sometimes uh, we were in the last couple of years we put our, our own logistics team together between our three brands here in the u.s um, and they do a good job networking, getting the right um, carriers, getting the right uh, teams together um, to get our, 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 our product out to our distribution centers. And that was all new within the last couple of years. Is we're, we're not a direct customer out of Stratum anymore. Um, you know, we're, we ship to our distribution centers around the country first. And so and our, our planning team internally to get all the right product to the right distribution centers is great. And we have a guy who's been in the logistics world for 30 years um, running that show. So, well, you mentioned the other two, the other two brands. You should probably talk about those. Yes, it's, it's, it's a known fact. So, yeah, so um, we, Lynn um, owns uh, Russell Stover and, um, and Ghirardelli. So together, our logistics team of the three um, is a Linton Sprungling North America. Um, they run out of Kansas City, out of Russell Stover's area so, um, and they actually help a lot with um, Lint Canada as well on their, some of their logistics. So whenever I talk about great professionals uh, in the, and I do this a lot, okay? So I talk about people that have way too many responsibilities. I'm definitely talking about you. So from what it sounds like you have, 
domestic international trade compliance, you have some domestic compliance, warehousing distribution, I mean, you get a lot of stuff on your plate. How do you manage all these responsibilities? I, I don't, I'm part of, you know, the, the supply chain group um, and the planning group, but the domestic side, we don't really handle the logistics of that anymore. Um, at one point I did, um, now it's just the international. Um, it's dealing with the, the, the countries that we're importing from or exporting to, uh, making sure that we're our regulations um, and then dealing with our vendors. Um, you know, not being a buyer, I, I kind of play the middleman sometimes. And, um, you know, I like to be, I like to be one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I don't like to be the middleman, but, um, but it's great. You know, the, the, we, as a global producing team, we all use the same vendors. So we know, you know, if I have an issue with a product and I can't get it in, in the lead time that they have, another producing country might have it. Um, do you ever so I can reach to, out to them. Do you ever actually fly over there? And, I mean, I know you do. I'm, it's a leading yeah. question. <laughs> so, you yeah. get to fly over to Switzerland and, and uh, hang out in the Schweiz. And you still ski? I, I, you still ski? You must. No. No? No. I, no. I gave that up about 25 years ago. Um, Did you get to go over and? Yeah, I've gone over. I've gone over a couple of times in the last couple of years. When the Proco started when the vid started, man. When the pandy kicked up, you were, you got, you got trapped over there, didn't you? Almost. Yeah, my I I, I had a meeting um, right as Italy and um, parts of Europe were just shutting down. Um, and I was in Paris, and they had already shut. Um, the borders for a lot of a lot of places. Um, I took my wife for a couple of days and showed her the city. And you're a good husband, man. I would have brought mine. I've been like, you need to just hang out at home with these six kids. <laughs> so she went home, um, and she was a little nervous going home because her first, you know, they talking flights canceled, and so she was a little nervous. And then I flew from from Paris to to Zurich, and um, it was quiet. I mean, the airport was quiet. Not many people, um, you know, it was just kind of the start of the uptick. And so right now everything's virtual, um, you know, we're, we're a hybrid office, um, but our, you know, our plant hasn't shut down our distribution hasn't shut down. Um, you know, they're, they're the key workers and, you know, they're good guys, men and women. How sick of chocolate are your children? They love it. Um, they won't. <laughs> They won't eat some of the other brands, but, um, yeah, my wife gets tired of it. Um, you know, it's tough because she, she's in the flower industry. Um, she owns a, um, you know, a, a flower or not a flower shop, but a, a studio where she does events, um, mainly weddings and, and special events. But so how do I give her a present when she does flowers? I do chocolate and oh, yeah, she hates chocolate now, you know, so I'm not, I'm going to lose, lose situation on that. Yeah. But you're like the greatest dad ever. Hey, kids, daddy's home. Here's 200 pounds of chocolate. You're like Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. So they see when I bring home like a lint bag or, you know, they're a box. Um, you know, when we get boxes, and they're like, yeah, what kind is it? You know, and they, they like to try the new flavors and they have all, each of them have their favorites. So what's the dental trips like when they go see the dentist? Is there a lot of drilling going on or can these kids really brush their teeth? <laughs> no, no, they're good. <laughs> no, they're good. Well, you definitely can. They, they, they know. They know their routine. My child's dental uh, bills. Thank you for that. Really appreciate that, man. Um, yeah. I was talking to uh, my girlfriend last night, and and she's like, 
we're here tomorrow. I'm like, it's going to be me and, you know, another lacrosse bro from New Hampshire talking about her national trade, you know, because she always makes fun of that. She, um, lacrosse guys have this bad reputation of being meatheads. Absolutely. What I'm trying to do with this one particular podcast is erase the myth that we're just a bunch of idiots. Okay. So here we are talking about international business, parenting and logistics. I think we're doing a very good job of completely changing the paradigm that all we do is talk about drinking beer and throwing balls around. I think we're doing an excellent job. <laughs> That's right. Well, I'm running out of time on this. So I've got to get to the best part of my podcast, in my opinion, which is three questions that have nothing to do with trade. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. First car that you ever owned, what was it and what happened to it? Um, a Mazda 323. Great car. Um, what year? God, uh, 93. What color? Uh, it was like a, a weird blue. Okay. It almost looked like a gremlin. I've got it. Um, yep. And <laughs> I went to Europe. My brother was in college. Um, and he took it to college with him. I came back and you couldn't have, there was no more, more reverse. Um, it, it, it was automatic. I don't know how that happened. How did you break that? Uh, yeah, nobody could fix it. Um, I think it ended up like pushing, you know, not cases. And... Oh yeah. You have to pull through. You have to find a spot where you could pull all the way through. Um, or you just, <laughs> yeah. Told, so tell me late. Did you, did you like roll it off a cliff or? I think my, my, yeah, I think my brother ended up, um, getting rid of it after a while. So first job you ever had that paid you an actual paycheck. Yeah, um, I was an ice cream stock boy in in Nashua. Really? So yeah, yeah. So I uh, Hayward's ice cream. Um, been there for forever. Oh. Um, my sisters worked there. I thought it was cool. You know, with all the girls up front. I was in the back. You know, every time they needed a a new tub of ice cream, they were like, "Hey, we need this ice cream." So I'd go into the freezer, I'd pull up the ice cream, I put it back for them. I made waffle cones. And uh, yeah, I got to eat ice cream for free for a summer. What they pay you? Do you remember? Four seventy-five. Whatever minimum wage was back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good job, actually. Now that I think about it, I would have loved eating ice cream all day. <laughs> yeah. And of course, like of course, guys don't get to work up front. They put the high school girls up front, and we're Absolutely. like trolls in the back lifting ice cream. It's like my I worked at a, a restaurant called Levi Wool's in Merrimack, New Hampshire. And um, it was all the, all the dudes, we washed dishes, we scrubbed dishes, you know? And like the pretty boys worked as, um, actually I, I got to do it too, but parking cars, you know? And there was like one pretty high school girl that worked as the hostess. But yeah. we were just like trolls in the back, you know, um, scrubbing dishes and stuff. It was the crappiest job. Okay. Um, if the laws of physics and time did not exist and crazy uncle Pete had a magic wand and you could have any job in any profession other than the ones that you've had now, and I could do it, what job would you want to have, man? It's tough. Um, there's so much. Uh, I would, ah, there's so many, there's so many dreams and hopes and aspirations. <laughs> um, you know, First thing that comes to mind uh, would be to be a college lacrosse coach. Um, I don't know why. 
you know, that's always the first one. You, that, you know, don't know why. You are a <laughs> lacrosse coach. And you yeah. Play, you yeah. Ball, man. Yeah. But no, it's just, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the one that comes to mind. If it's not, you know, not in this industry. Um, you know, I, that would be an awesome job. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, running around all day, helping to pick talent, getting kids to come. I, th- I would think recruiting would be a lot of fun. I think so, too. Yeah, except the heartache of people not wanting to come and play for your program. And then watching those kids grow up. And, um, you know, my, my lacrosse coach in college was a former Navy pilot. And we gave that guy hell. We were terrible to him. But now when I see him, he's super proud of all of us. You know, and the fact that we managed to get through four years of college without dying. And, yeah. You know, what we did. I, I, you know, being a ref now, I've run into some of the guys that recruited me. You know, and, and I'll make a call and I'm like, well, I remember, you know, a five foot, 10, 160 pound tackman that would just laugh at a call like that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, how the worm has turned. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, listen, I, I love working with you. I love uh, hanging out with you. And um, I think that you're an amazing professional. And I'm glad there's somebody out there like you that's um, really put your nose to the grindstone and working so damn hard at such a difficult task. And Lynn's lucky to have you. I hope, uh, I hope you realize how lucky they are to have you. Uh, and um, absolutely love working. Thanks so much for coming on. And absolutely. I know you got six kids going to school from home, so I'm sure you're pretty busy over there. No, it's good. It's, you know, they're, they're like I said, they're good kids. Love them. You know, they, they know the routine. How often uh, do you get one of their names? Come on, man. Six. Of them. Never. <laughs> uh the, well the, well the girls sometimes like you know when i get upset um sometimes i'll mix up their names like uh, you know, how do you feed six kids how do you do it rations no i'm just kidding <laughs> 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 no you know we, we we budget plan and and you know make sure we have you know right amount of food with kids i mean they they like to snack and you know try to not, not try not to eat let them eat us out of house and home but i remember what it was like being a kid so how many play lacrosse or hockey uh, so both my boys are both lacrosse um, players, and they're this year they're just starting to play hockey. Um, one of my daughters wants to play lacrosse. Um, they've just never really had that drive to do it, and I don't want to push them. You know, I I want them to love the game, to love the game, not because I'm forcing them to want to play the game. It broke my heart when my daughter said, "This is stupid," and sort of just dropped the stick and grabbed a paintbrush and. Yeah. And started chasing butterflies. My kid's going to be doing bong rips in college. She's not going to be chasing. I can already tell. You know, my daughter's my daughter's going to be 15 in March, and she's definitely going to have an "I'm with her" Biden Harris T-shirt on. You know, smoking weed, listening to Dead Records. I'm doomed. I'm going to be doing that kid forever. I'm doomed. Yeah, it's going to be definitely low-paying jobs for the rest of her life, talking about saving the world. But uh, whatever makes her happy, right? That's part of being a parent, I suppose. Okay. I sound like my mother right now. Anyway, <laughs> I love working with you. Thank you so much for coming on here. I think you have one of the hardest jobs in logistics, and um, people don't realize. It. And you just do it in stride. You're like, yeah, bro, whatever. It's just what it is. Well, you know, it's it, it, it really comes down to building building the team around me, you know, and and making sure that we're all we all communicate. We're on the same page. Um, you know, I, even though ultimately, you know, they're working for me, I I don't see it like that. You know um we work together to, to create the best solution 
Okay. Well, I think everybody who's listening to this, and I, I have 100,000 subscribers, we get like a quarter of a million downloads every episode, you should ask yourself, well, does my stuff melt? Okay. Because if it doesn't, <laughs> if it doesn't I think Sean's got a harder job. Thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I love talking to you. And, uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. You too. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, buddy. See.